0: So being back at Vista has been so nostalgic just to sit back there. We were here six years ago, five years ago, and uh, got to invest 10 years of our lives into this church. So it's such a privilege and an honor to be with you guys tonight.
1: And I see a lot of new faces, but I see some familiar faces. And so thanks for allowing us to be here. Carla and I have, uh, this summer, we will have been married 40 years. So it really... Thank you. Really, I know that clap translates. Oh, gosh, they are really old. Carla's really old. She's a lot older than I am. Four months, four months. And, and it's a privilege for us to, as old people, come here to talk and, and to call back to a generation about romantic relationships and 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 we have spent our life literally working on the front end of marriage really trying to talk people out of marriage <laughs> but we we really try to help people understand the value of how god uses romantic relationships dynamic relationships of of two individuals wandering in and 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 finding one another and then being transformed in the process and just
0: to set the record straight we are pro-marriage we're not trying to talk people out of marriage
1: (laughs) no and 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 i think for us we've seen almost two thousand couples go through our marriage prep class and as we've done that we've learned some things that we would really like to call back to you and, and those of you who are married in the room, how many people are married in the room? So nice, these guys are the experts. experts. How many years? See, you are the expert. If you've been married less than a year, you're the expert. After a year, it starts getting really complex, and you're like, oh, I have no clue what I'm doing. And, and I think what we want to do tonight as we talk about this whole idea of how relationships are used to transform our soul uh, we want to we want to take you back. Those of you in the room that are married know that there's a whole lot to it, and that and you whether you've been married six months, six days, <clears throat> or six years, you recognize and realize that God uses those dynamic relationships to transform who you are. After only two dates with Carla, I sent her a postcard. This postcard- We met in college. That, that right there tells you uh, dates us because postcards were really old when we were in college. It's just that a, about a 65 year old man gave me this postcard. She was working at a summer camp. I sent her this postcard and you can really tell from this postcard, it, it, it's from a fabulous hotel in Maui and, and, and you can see the date, 7-7-1982. Well, down at the bottom right, that code that looks sort of like a postal code, this is what it says eight twenty eight eighty four 84 WWBTAOWD. We'd had two dates. We didn't really know each other. And I put that little code on this postcard, sent it to her at this camp. And that stands for August the 28th, 84. Keep in mind, this was written in 82. August the 28th, 1984. We will be there after our wedding day. I know. Wow. And 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 I, when I wrote that, there was just something deep inside of me that said, Oh, she she is the one. That, but could I trust that inside voice? Or was it just pure emotion of 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 two really good dates? And can we trust the voice inside of us that sometimes is stirred with emotion that leads us into these romantic relationships that cause us to do something psycho, like send a postcard and predict your wedding? I actually missed it. We got married June 16th, 1984, and I was a youth pastor, so we didn't go to Hawaii. <laughs> I really, really missed that part. And 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 after all, Carla far exceeded anything that I had ever dated before I'd ever imagined and as I thought through that can I trust this voice I was also struggling with that proverbial I've got to find the one as if there's one person in this needle in a haystack out there and I've got to dig through the haystack to try to find that one and 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 in the process of doing that I think I recognized how psycho it really was for me to send this 3 years really from our projected honeymoon adventure and and rereading it today I laugh. I laugh because I did not have a clue. That was written purely out of emotion. It was out of passion, out of out of ignorance and 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 really out of bliss. And I soon believed that Carla was this amazing girl, and over the next two plus years, I got to know who she was. But more than anything, I got to know who I was, and God used it to transform transform me. And and really, to put it bluntly, that postcard is a great picture of infatuation, and I was deeply, deeply, deeply infatuated with her.
0: You know, I don't know where you're at on the spectrum. We have all uh, we have all relationship statuses here: single dating, married, divorced, uh, not sure where you're at on the spectrum. But at some level, whenever you start to begin to have a relationship, our heart for you tonight is that you will deal with healthy relationships, romantic relationships. I'm sure with a room this size, there's been lots of pain. In lots of burn in lots of struggle and lots of baggage and we do not want that for you so if we could call back and say let's talk about that and you're going to talk about that at your tables how to build healthy uh romantic relationships and how not to get burned in the process you know at some level all of us assess whether we have compatibility, whether we have chemistry, whether this person could be a fit for us, and so we're all on this journey. And when I first met Byron, he was a business—he was—he was a business major. We met at Baylor, a sophomore year. I was—I was—he was a freshman, I was a sophomore because you know I am four months older. And he a was, lot older than he I. He was an accounting major, and um, he was going to go back to his hometown in Rotan and take over the family business, which his dad was an incredible funeral director. That's what the business is going to be. And so I didn't know if I really wanted to live in West Texas. And so, you know, you're looking out for all these things when you meet your your person and that you hope might be your person. And so um, as God would have it, he did not stay a business major very long after I met him. Not because he met me, but God had other plans for him. And he was called into youth ministry. And so we began our journey, and we began getting to know each other, and the more time I spent with him, you know, as Byron mentioned, we were really infatuated, super young, super naive, but I was getting to know him, and after several months, we thought we were so compatible, so ready to get married, and we dated for a year and a half, and eventually, as you know, we did get married, and we have, some of us have these mental lists that we make, the um uh, things i'm looking for in a mate list i don't know if you've written a list down or if you just have it in your head Um, but we get these lists from all kinds of crazy places um it can be even um hopefully it's not from the bachelor or the bachelorette i mean i'm not knocking that show we watched the golden bachelor the other day (laughs) oh my goodness that is something else um So I'm not knocking that show, but um, we get these lists from all kinds of ways that we find these things in our head or what we're looking for, but can we even trust our own list? And so oftentimes our expectations have little to do with reality and much to do with our fantasies or the things we pick up in the world or who knows where they come from, but Byron says, You know, I don't even remember the first time we met.
1: Wait, wait, she doesn't remember the first time we met. We met like, actually, we really, if you ask us, when's the first time you met? She tells a story. Really, we met twice before the opportunity. I think
0: once, but maybe twice. Twice.
1: But she doesn't remember either one he of them. He says
0: that I was campaigning for the fraternity, sweetheart, and he wasn't in that fraternity, so he was a nobody. So that's not the truth. And, I, and
1: I think the expectations that you, you match one another's list, because sometimes those, those lists are, become really absurd. And maybe they were something you wrote down as a seventh grader at youth camp, and your youth pastor had you write down that list. And, and it becomes absurd when you pursue the wrong-minded notion that you're trying to find Miss Wright or Mr. Wright and, and and you have this idea of the perfect partner and then you really meet an imperfect person and God begins to transform your soul in the process.
0: Yeah, so I wanna talk about, um, it's not really as much about finding the right person as it is about being the right person. And so we have to focus on who am I becoming? And we love this age. We love the young adults because you're in such a season of growth, of deciding who you are. And so it's not as important um, to find the right person as it is to be the right person. Because as we have done this now for 28 years, 29 years, a thousand couples coming through, we have seen that healthy individuals make healthy marriages, And so if you're not healthy, your marriage does not make you happy. As some of the married people in the room can attest, you make your marriage happy. You're not going to be happy just because you get married. You have to go into marriage happy. And so having a strong identity is super, super important. And I love what this author Les Parrott says. He's a marriage expert, a marriage author. He came up with the Simbus assessment that we use with our marriage prep stuff. It stands for saving your marriage before it starts. It's an online assessment. And he says that if you try to form intimate relationships without first establishing a strong identity on your own, then all of your relationships are going to become an attempt to complete yourself. So let me say that one more time. If you try to build intimacy with someone without establishing a strong sense of who you are, a strong identity of yourself, then all of your relationships will become an attempt to complete yourself. So you'll be prone to maybe possibly two different lies here. You'll say, if I need this person to be complete, like I need, I'm, I need you to help me be somebody. Or the other way it could work is that if this person needs me, then I'll be complete. So we can marry someone that we are gonna fix, that we have control over, that we can dominate, and that's not good either. So attaching yourself to another for approval, for affirmation, for safety, for identity, will not end well. Um, Self-worth doesn't come from the mere existence of someone in your life. Um, When you come into a relationship and you lack personal self-worth, all you offer them is neediness. And that does not make a good marriage. Byron and I spent two hours yesterday with this couple sitting on our couch. They've been married six weeks. The wheels are falling off because she had so much trauma in her life, and uh, she did not disclose a lot of this to him when they were in their engagement process. They did not enga- they did not date very long. Uh, they weren't engaged very long, and all of a sudden now she's like freaking out, and he doesn't know who doesn't even know who he married because she was coming from a point of neediness. And so expecting another person, whether it's a friend, a dating partner, um, a spouse to provide you with your life is very unrealistic. And it's really not fair to them. It isn't anyone else's job to give you a healthy identity and to make you whole. People in your life are meant to share your life, not to be your life. I mean, some of you may have dated people in the room, or people not in the room. Maybe some of you have dated people in the room. I don't know, maybe they're on this side and you're like, I'm going over here, and it's awkward. But maybe you've dated someone, maybe there are people in the room have dated someone that is super controlling and super insecure and super possessive. And I had one of those boyfriends in high school. Um, not, not fun. And it sucks the life out of the relationship. So I want to illustrate it with um, just a, you don't want to have an A-frame relationship. You want an M-frame relationship. So Byron and I are going to demonstrate what this is like. So when you have an A-frame relationship, this is the needy people and they're just leaning on each other. And so when one falls down, the other one falls down too, and it just doesn't go well. And When I have a bad day, Byron's like, well, I did too. Like, you should hear about my day. And, you know, you're just both just two ticks and no dog. Like, you're just (laughs) not good. And so then you could have an M is what we think is healthy. When I came to marry Byron, my hope was that I'm whole and complete apart from Byron. And he is too. Like, he's his own person. His identity is set and secure. So when I have a hard day and I'm struggling and I fall down... Guess who can help me? He can point me back to Jesus, and so I'm here to tell you that identity is so huge. And what in the world are you basing your identity on? I have a feeling because you're here, you are trying to base your identity on Christ. And so let me let me uh, offer this prayer and or just this has been our prayer for you all tonight. It's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. I know if you've been in church long enough, you've heard it. But Paul prays this, and I pray this for you. I pray. That out of his glorious riches, that he would strengthen each one of you with power in your inner being, so that Christ would dwell deeply in your heart through faith, and that you being rooted and established in love would have power together with all of God's holy people to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge." Y'all, that is a recipe for a great marriage. When that love can be put on you and that love doesn't change, it's not shifting. And your identity is set in his love and you get to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So seeking God's wisdom in all of this um, is so huge and so important. So we want you to take a minute um, and we want you to talk at your tables uh, there's going to be a set of questions um, on the screen. And if you're married and you're in the room, you can speak into this as an older, wiser, married couple. Because some of these questions will probably not pertain to you. But we want you to speak into it as well.
1: Because some of the people who are married <clears throat> can call back. Whether you've been married six six months or six weeks, you can call back because there's some things that you see now that people told you, but you didn't really fully grasp it. Now you see it and and you can speak into it. So let's discuss these questions around your tables.
0: Okay, let's, uh, how many, I just want to get a little poll. How many of you think lists are important? How many think lists are important? All right. How many of you are like, I don't know, doesn't matter. I mean, Okay. (laughs) All right. So I think it is good to have criteria because you got to know what you're looking for to find what you're looking for. But again, we go back to becoming the person is more important than finding the person.
1: And I I think one of the, the, the dangers on a list, then you get married and your person you realize doesn't really match your list. Then what do you do? Did you marry the wrong person? and and, uh, and and do you hold that against them and so we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk through of how you develop a healthy process as, as you as the two really become one and and uh, and and how you can deepen your your intimacy in a deep relationship
0: right so as our married friends can say uh, marriage exposes your heart and demands your growth like no other relationship like it is so good for us to get to be married in a lot of ways, because we are asked to like share intimacy and be like selfless and sacrificial in our love for someone. And so it's like this big mirror that shows us, oh, I'm selfish and I am all about me. And it's a great way for God to rub off, rub off our selfishness and our pride. And so I, I think that as you're dating, it's so important not to rush the process. And so if you're in a dating relationship, this might be helpful for you. Or if you're going to be in one someday, um, we see couples all the time that rush to the altar. And then have y'all ever seen a couple where they're married and you're like, what was she thinking like? what does she do that for? Or what was he thinking? And they end up marrying the wrong person. Like all people around them are like, I don't know what they're thinking. And so what we call that is an overdeveloped heart and an underdeveloped mind, an overattached heart and an underdeveloped mind. So this man named John Van Epp came up with this relationship attachment model, and he talks about the five bonding forces in every relationship. And, and that
1: would be every relationship if you're engaged or if you've been married for five years or if you've been married for 40 years, This, the, these bonding forces still are, are strong and powerful that pull Carla and I together.
0: And you can't eliminate emotional risk when you step into these waters of, okay, we're gonna date, we're gonna define the relationship. Okay, we're going. You can't eliminate the emotional risk involved, but you can lessen it. And so our unmet emotional needs are powerful motivators towards fear or longing. And so if you grew up in a family where you didn't have a lot of your emotional needs met, then you come to this from a deficit. And I'm not saying that's a deal breaker or you're not marriage material, but you have to own that and work on it and work on that identity piece and on that wholeness and completeness piece. Um, I had to do a lot of work on that. Um, But... Uh, Like a raging river, our needs form strong currents that are capable of sweeping us into a river. And so when you come to this place of neediness, like we talked about earlier, um, we make decisions we never thought we would make. And so it's easy to make decisions based on an overattached heart and an underdeveloped mind. Okay, so let's look at these five bonding forces. Um, so when you get to when you meet someone, you spend a lot of time getting to know them. So the first bonding force is to know what you know about a person. There they are. No trust, rely, and commit. So as you're getting to know them, you're asking them questions. You're finding out about them. So. You know, a lot of people meet online. We're not against meeting online. It's a great way to meet people. We're just saying, please get to know them apart from their online person, like have lots of time with them in person. So that when you spend time talking and doing things together, a deeper understanding of that person occurs. And this understanding or knowledge cre- creates a growing feeling of closeness. And this actually takes time. You cannot rush this. Dating is meant to conceal and marriage is meant to reveal. So dating conceals and marriage reveals. Um, So when you're dating someone, they're always putting their best foot forward and you're just getting like the best version of them uh, for at least the first six months, I feel like, or because you have to see them in different seasons and different hardships. And if you only meet them in this fairy tale world and you don't see what they're like under stress, you don't watch how they treat their mama Uh, You don't see how they treat other people. Like there's so many things about them that you need to get to know. And this takes time. And it takes being together. So the studies show that um, a host of studies have found that a longer romance before marriage is linked to higher marital satisfaction and lower risk of divorce. I'm not saying that if some of you that are married got dated and got married in six months. I'm not saying like your marriage is doomed because there are exceptions we know people that dated like six weeks and they're married and they're doing great, but it's an exception. It's risky, very risky to make your decision based on that. Uh, the second dynamic, so, is trust. And as you spend more and more time gathering these pieces of information about this person, uh, you begin to form a picture of what you think this person's really like. And so it's this mental picture that prompts your expectations and feelings of trust, So the more positive your picture, the stronger your trust and your attachment. So you're going to be able to trust them more, the more you're like, okay, I think I can trust them to share this, or I can trust them to be on time, or I can trust them, you know, with all these things. And so next is rely. And so as you learn to trust them, you begin to rely upon them to meet your needs. Um, The more and more of your needs, this growing trust and reliance produces a deeper definition of your relationship. And then this... Define your willingness to actually commit, which is and, the next. And one. Carla,
1: I would I would throw in there: Why in the world would you commit to something you can't rely on? And why in the world would you rely on something you don't trust? Like like when you look at this and you sit in here, it, it makes it makes perfect logical sense. Here's what happens with romantic relationships: our, our logic goes out the window because our our heart and our emotion guides us down the path. But when we slow, slow down and think about, I'm not going to commit to something I can't rely on. I'm, I'm not going to rely on something I can't trust. And why would I trust something I don't know something about?
0: Yeah. So the, it, 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 expresses it there. So the last one is intimacy and that's physical involvement. So we see couples who meet and they barely know each other. And all of a sudden they're having sex and they're like really physically involved a, a girl that I even mentored for a while, like first date, they're like making out and telling each other that they love each other. First date, I'm like, I have failed you. What are you doing? Um, so, to create a healthy relationship, the level of each bonding dynamic should never exceed the previous level. So, just exactly what Byron said. And Simply, if you, if,
1: if you think about like like the sound booth back here. You, you You're adjusting those levels, and as that level goes up, the more you know someone, the more you can trust them and 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 intimacy oftentimes gets pushed up really quick, really fast and we We, we lose perspective because we we let our emotion and our physical your physical body since you were twelve years old have been fired up and ready to go <clears throat> and your emotion and your mind kind of slows it down. And that's why we would submit, let the Spirit of God transform your soul because it's the Spirit of God that's, that's gonna bring body, mind, soul uh, <clears throat> into perspective to where you, you, you don't fall into the trap of, of, of letting your, your physical drive push you into intimacy.
0: Right, so we wanna let you guys talk about it at your tables and we want you to talk about how long does it really, how long does it take to really know someone before you commit to marriage? And number two, what things are important in getting to know someone? Like that no column uh, that we showed you, what are the things that are important that you need to know? Like what is crucial um, that would make them a good spouse? How do you predict what's gonna make somebody a good spouse? And third is why do some couples rush this process? So take a minute, and y'all talk about it at your tables. All right. So all of this to say, these are important, important relationships. When you think about your future spouse and dating to see if you're compatible to be married to someone... (laughs) We need the wisdom of God. We don't need to lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we need to acknowledge him and allow him to direct our paths. And we, we have a foundational verse for all that we do. And it's on the wall in our house, and it's written on our hearts, and I hope it'll be written on your heart when you think about what it takes to build a home. And it's Proverbs 24, and it says, By wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. There's a lot of homes that are not filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Strife and discord and just lots of baggage. And the companion verse to that is Proverbs 2.6. And it says, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. And so may God's words, may his love, may his his rule and reign in your life matter more to you than anything else. As married 40 years to this man right here, Jesus, we sat there before we came and we prayed for y'all and we looked at all of our Christmas stockings on the mantle. And we just were so overwhelmed with gratitude that God has helped us pass our faith on to the next generation because now we're, we have five grandkids and our kids know the Lord. And then hopefully our grandkids will know the Lord. And Psalm 78 says, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, we pass from one generation to the other. And y'all, we started realizing our grandkids are not going to even know our great grandkids are not even going to know us. But if they have faith, then that's a win. And that's what you want your life to be built on. That's what you want your homes to be founded on is the eternal things. That's what gives meaning and purpose. When you marry someone that's going to be on a mission with God and your marriage will be, I mean, when we're all infatuated with ourselves, this gets boring because like how, how amazing are we? But when it's, when it's looking up and you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and you're like running hard for him and living for him, there is nothing more satisfying, nothing. So find a man, find a woman who loves Jesus with all their heart and ask God for wisdom.
1: And I think in that process, God's present in every step of the way. I mean, God transforms us through relationships and, and he's, he's always working to, to recreate his people and he intends to, as, as Ephesians 4 says, become mature, uh, where we could become mature, obtaining the full measure of Christ. I mean, that kind of maturity where you obtain the whole full measure of, of Christ. And, and I think for, for <clears throat> some of us, we can... We can enter into it, and I can I can drum up enough stuff to impress Carla while we were dating. I I, I really I impressed her that I was an athlete and I liked to jog. I I hate to run. Like like I, there's nothing good about running. You, you when I was in school in high school and in, in my my first year of college, I had to run because I threw interceptions or I cussed. And and so but for five years I ran with Carla, and then about five years into marriage I'm like. No, I, that's, I ain't doing this anymore.
0: And I am not a big risk taker, but man, when we were dating, I was taking all these risks like, oh yeah, I'll go jump off that. I'll go do that. All the while I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate
1: this. And in and, and marriage you become, and as you become, it's a life lab for spiritual growth. And, and really it's a life lab for ego diminishing. As the ego diminishes, the spirit of God comes forth and it, it invites God's original intent to take place in your life. And that's maturity. That's well-formed maturity within you. And that's called sanctification. I mean, it's God's process of chiseling away the Byron and the junk of Byron so that I can put forth a Christ-like effort. And in his book, Sacred Marriage, if you haven't read this book, I would highly recommend it. It it, it will be a classic, but a a book called Sacred Marriage, Gary Thomas wrote it, and the subtitle is, What If God Intended Marriage to Make Us Holy More Than Just Happy? By far the best marriage book I've I've ever read and ever will read. It it is well written, it's well done, and it doesn't tell you 10 things to do to be married. It it just really, it's it's a great question because it challenges our assumptions of, of what marriage is and why we enter into marriage. In his book, Gary writes, everything about your relationship, everything, everything about these romantic dynamic relationships is filled with prophetic potential, with the capacity for discovering and revealing Christ's character. Deep, meaningful relationships have a way of rubbing the veneer off of who we are and getting real. And it gets real fast, uh, real fast. God, God desires to transform our lives from selfishness and transform us into selflessness. <clears throat> and let's try to make some sense out of all that we've talked about tonight. And, and I think Psalm 139, some of you have that memorized. Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Try me, Lord, and know my anxious ways. Listen to the message. It says it beautifully investigate my life oh God find out everything about me cross-examine and test me get a clear picture of what I'm about and see for yourselves whether I've done anything wrong then guide me on the road to eternal life there's nothing better than the dynamic relationships of marriage of engagement of dating that cross-examine and test you and get a clear picture of who you really are deep in who you are. And you've got to know who you are. You've also got to know a holy God. In the book, Practicing His Presence, Brother Lawrence says, when we're faithful in keeping ourselves in his holy presence, it brings to us a holy freedom. And if I may say so, a familiarity with God. One of the verses that's really been a, a, a verse that Carla and I have clung to, and it's a verse we, we we learned when we were little kids, and it's just become more and more and more real. Is Matthew six thirty three: Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. I, I would call back to your generation to say: Seek first the kingdom of God, and seek first His righteousness. Then, then these relationships, the dynamics of relationships are going to transform you into being who you were intended to be. And the more we become familiar with God, I mean, really come to know him, searching for him like an adventurer on a treasure hunt, we, we gain wisdom. And that wisdom, the more we know, leads to trust. A kind of trust that can be relied on as we commit our lives to it and it's in those moments that we really open ourselves up and find in deep into our souls our inner caverns into me see and I've discovered that that moment that I find true intimacy my soul is transformed and I become face to face with a holy God and at the end of the day That's what all relationships, I know you've been doing a series on all kinds of relationships. All dynamic relationships are just pointers to to just grab your face and point to a holy God and say, this is your creator. Your action step, and then we will pray. We want to give you an action step. That's my favorite part about Vista. Uh, and here it is. This week, just, just block off. You, you are busy people. You got a lot going on. But this week, I want you to spend 20 minutes alone and allow God to cross-examine your life, okay? Spend 20 minutes alone, cross-examine your life, and I want you to do two things when you're doing that. What's one thing you need to take out of your life? So what's one thing you need to delete out of your life? And then what's one thing you need to add to your life? And I would almost go out on a limb and say, it's gonna be dynamic relationships that help you, romantic relationships even for some of you that, that are, that are gonna help you cross-examine who you are. So 20 minutes alone, allow God to cross-examine your life. What's one thing you need to take out of your life and what's one thing you need to add to your life? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for these men and women giving their time tonight. Thank you for who they are, what they've done, how you've worked in and through their lives. I pray you would transform every single person here. And if there's some here that don't know you, may they come to know the true, one true, real God through Jesus. Those who have wandered in their faith and are skeptics... Draw them back into yourself and help them become mature, faithful, committed followers because they know the one true God. Thank you that you walk with us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Can I give a quick plug for a marriage prep? How many engaged couples in the room? Anybody? None? Zero? That's good. How- They got married, okay, all right. Well, if you're gonna get engaged soon, we have marriage prep classes, we have retreats, we have one-on-ones. You can check us out at countdowntomarriage.com and we'd love to help you in any way we can.